Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook Podcast. The Different Skill Notebook is a tool for parents and educators to equip children and teens with the social, emotional, and independent skills needed to thrive in their life. The Different Skill Notebook is the result of the work of Dr. Sandra Savinelli and Anand Salma at the Social Mind Center. They found that parents and educators cannot always identify the skills needed to overcome some of the barriers that the child is experiencing to learning and thriving. The notebook identifies the different skills, tools, and resources needed to overcome some of the learning barriers and differences that are experienced by children and teens today. These are different times, requiring different skills and tools. Join us as we share our smart conversations with our parents, educators, and colleagues to give children the life skills and social adaptation needed to thrive in environments that keep changing. Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook. My name is Anna and Selma, and I am your host. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. And in the Different Skill Notebook podcast, we go over skills, different skills that children need to thrive. And there are different learning styles, so sometimes teaching skills can be a little bit challenging if your child has learning differences. And in today's world, there are a lot of learning differences. There's a lot of neurodiversity and neurodivergent students. So we discuss teaching skills to varying learning styles. And today, we're going to continue with our series on self-regulation. I'm sorry that I've been busy. I'm so behind on my recordings and I hope to catch up soon. There's so much that I have to share with you that I've learned in the last month. It was my hope that for Autism Awareness Month, I would be able to do several episodes focusing on autism and different skills and toolboxes for children on the autism spectrum. And I will hopefully catch up with that. However, this self-regulation series applies to all children. There are kids that have more difficulty with self-regulation than other kids, and that depends on their learning style and their needs. So today we're going to go over an interesting concept, and the concept is, is it non-compliance or an inability to self-regulate? So nowadays, so many things are identified as a behavior, and to... Someone observing the child, it may very well look like a behavior. From my perspective, there's a skill gap. So in the last two months, I've had many, many conversations, like over dozens, multiple, I would say a good 50 conversations with parents and my center and outside of my center that have brought to my attention that they often get from their teacher, teacher feedback that their child is being non-compliant. So I call that task avoidance. The child is avoiding the task. Non-compliant means to me that the child doesn't want to do it. There's a big difference between a child not wanting to do something and a child being unable to do something. And I think it's very important to distinguish the two because we want to make sure that the child has the tools that they need to accomplish the task, not to mention they have the skill 
to accomplish this task. So this is what we're talking about today, having the skills to self-regulate. And what does that mean? So self-regulation is the process internal to oneself that involves controlling one's behavior, emotions, and thoughts in pursuit of a goal. So it's goal-driven behavior, right? What it takes for us to get our mind, our body, and our behavior under control to get things accomplished. Self-regulation is the core aspect of adaptive behavior, meaning adjusting to the situation. So we need to regulate our bodies, our minds, and our behavior, and our communication in order to adapt to our environment, to a situation, to a classroom, to homework. And so the skill set involved in self-regulation are the executive function skills, which you hear this a lot. So executive function is a set of mental processes that have to do with managing oneself and one's resources. We all have resources, we all have skills, and then we all have skill weaknesses. So it's managing these executive function skills are mental processes that have to do with managing oneself and one's resources in order to achieve a goal. This involves mental control and self-regulation. So this is what self-regulation is. So if a child has weaknesses in self-regulation, it's going to look like they're non-compliant. They are unable to accomplish certain tasks because they're unable to organize their mind, their body, and their behavior and emotions and sync them together to accomplish a goal. So what does that look like? So my clients and a lot of friends, families that have children who are giving me this feedback say, these are the specific skills that the teacher is claiming their child is having difficulty with. And we're all going to be familiar with these because in reality, we all struggle with some of these issues ourselves as adults, right? And it depends on how well we're able to regulate. So I'd like to start with the big skill that's language. Language is, in my opinion, the under it's an underlying foundational skill to many other skills, right? For example, asking for help, for a break, or being able to communicate your needs as a child. So we're always going to say that language is a skill that's required alongside any other skill. So here's some skills that these children in my conversations are lacking. And the parents said the feedback from the teacher was, does not transition from one task or activity to another, does not follow directions, is unable to get started independently, doesn't want to do the work, not staying on task, scattered attention, getting up or distracted from the task with other thoughts, not completing work or tasks. So when we look at the first behavior, it does not transition from one task or activity to another. What are the skills required for us to transition from one task to the other? Focus, attention, impulse control, and cognitive flexibility. Does not follow directions. Language, attention, focus, listening, language processing and comprehension, working memory, impulse control. Those are a lot of skills required to be able to accomplish some of these tasks that the teachers believe the students are not completing because of noncompliance. They just don't want to do it. Initiate a task, getting started independently, 
requires sustained attention, impulse control. Impulse control is blocking out your distractions in the room or distracting thoughts that you may have yourself and cognitive flexibility. These are all required for you to get started independently. Not staying on task requires also sustained attention, impulse control, and cognitive flexibility. Cognitive flexibility is our ability to shift our attention from one task to another or to transition from one activity to another, right? To change it up, to change our thought process according to our environment, right? Not completing work or tasks. That requires sustained attention. So a lot of this is required is focus and sustained attention, impulse control. And there are kids that have ADHD, so this is going to apply very much to them if they struggle with having focus or autism, they struggle with having focus to an impulse control, controlling their thoughts and cognitive flexibility. But then there might be children that have this weakness, right? That this is a weak skill set for them. So it's going to look like non-compliance. But we want to make sure that if it's happening repeatedly, it's not non-compliance. We have to look behind the behavior and see what is the skill missing that is impacting or causing this behavior. So a short story, my son, as everyone knows, or if this is your first time, he was diagnosed with on the autism spectrum when he was two. So self-regulation is, is a big issue with children on the autism spectrum and it varies. That's why it's a spectrum. So the skill set of children on the spectrum varies right? Tremendously. And the variability of the skill set too. Some kids have strengths in a certain area and some kids don't. And that's pretty equivalent to every child. So my son was under responsive to his environment. So he was not someone who really engaged his environment as a toddler two years old. So this is what was a red flag for us. Like, why isn't he engaging his environment more frequently because two-year-olds and three-year-olds are extremely curious and they want to engage their environment. Now, kids may gauge or explore their environment at different paces. So if your child isn't really interested in that, doesn't mean they have autism. It just means that may be their personality. But for the most part, a toddler really engages their environment just like a teenager does. They just navigate it a little differently because teenagers now have social media, so they might be inquisitive and engaging in their environment more aggressively than other kids. So for my son, what impacted this was his language. You know, he was nonverbal. So not having that social communication piece made him kind of guarded and reserved because he was afraid to engage his environment. It made him more conservative. What we did with that, obviously, is give him tools that helped him feel more safe to engage his environment. So made him more responsive to his environment by giving him social communication tools. Um, also by giving him opportunities to experience new environments really increases in cognitive flexibility, right? Uh, exposing kids to environments at their pace and encountering or exploring the environment at their pace as well helps to expose them to be flexible, right? To experiencing something new is exposing your child to cognitive flexibility. So we used visual support for him. We started with a PECS program. So that could translate to someone who 
doesn't have autism to a visual schedule, a checklist, a planner, you know, having a plan and, and knowing how to proceed in certain environments is very helpful with children. What to expect? What can you expect of the environment? And what does the environment expect of you? What does your teacher expect of you? What do your parents expect from you in this environment? Whatever social situation there is. Now, there are kids that are over-responsive to their environment, and we can characterize them as extremely active and engaging in their environment. And they don't always engage in their environment positively, right? My daughter was Dora the Explorer. She wanted to see, touch, encounter everything, climb, ski, get involved in everything. Extremely physically active and engaging in her environment, right? Now, for both of these, over-responsive and under-responsive, there's a self-regulation issue, right? Like there's an inability maybe for my daughter it would be impulse control, right? The ability to flex in an environment, right? Now for my under-responsive, right? It's the same. It just looks different. There's that fear to approach an environment. There's that fear to say anything or ask for anything, but they're both self-regulation issues, right? It's inability to get started for one of them and an inability to stop. So one can't get started and the other one can't stop, right? their behavior sometimes because they're so excited. It's that controlling your emotions piece, right? Um, emotions impact behavior tremendously. So my son required um, a high level of support in the sense of he required more tools. So to me, a high level of support is additional tools. And some kids need tools and outside tools from outside of them to regulate themselves internally. So this is very important. If you don't take away anything from this podcast, take away that for some children, self-regulation is going to come out from systems outside of them because their system internally is a little faulty, is a little weak. It could be faulty. You know, if it's ADHD, it's a big weakness for them. But for some kids, it can just be, this is not an area of strength for them. Organizing their mind, their body, and their emotions is not a strength for them. So they're going to need some support from the outside to help them regulate internally. And this becomes a very big problem in schools because those tools are not provided. The expectation is that the child will adapt independently. And that's a pretty unfair expectation, especially if we're talking about kindergarten or teenagers. There's a lot of factors in early childhood and a lot of factors in the teenage years that impact a child's ability to self-regulate, you know, especially for long periods of time. And what I can say about that in school, the expectations are now that a child will remain still for a very long period of time. And sometimes that is developmentally incorrect of them to have that expectation. So I see in my visits to school and observations and certain classrooms that there's a great expectation that the child is going to perform a task that they're not developmentally there to do so. And then in turn, that is viewed as non-compliance. So everything is basically viewed now as a behavior. When you can say, oh, this child has a difficult time getting started. This child has a difficult... So they need tools for this, right? So promoting self-management in children is going to require some coaching, some skill acquisition, and some training. And it's going to require some tools that come from, from outside of them, right? So what is the strategy for this? Is providing a support system to help your child organize 
manage their needs, manage their sensory needs, whatever their needs are. Every child has a different need, right? Some children have sensory needs. Some children don't have sensory needs. Some children are hyper. Some children are very active. What if your child is destined to be an athlete and have this extensive amount of energy and it's because it's supposed to be channeled into him being a runner or being a football player or soccer player, right? So how do you channel that energy? How do they contain these needs within them? Well, they're going to need an outside tool to do that, right? So it's important that you recognize that rather than the expectation be oh, you know, they just need to adjust. Well, a lot of kids won't adjust and you don't want your child to have continued failure and not meeting the expectations at school because that does affect self-esteem and it does affect motivation, right? So what are some of these tools that we can provide, right? Schedule. Provide a structured learning environment that is predictable with advance notice, whether it's at home or outside of home, right? Visual schedules, checklists, and reminders in lieu of verbal prompting. So you don't have to say to yourself a hundred times, can you get started? Can you get started? Can you sit at your desk? Can you do your homework? Right? It's a little excessive. Now, there's a lot of pushback from educators on visual schedules because that means to them that the child may not be able to communicate. Not true. We have a visual schedule. It's something called a smartphone. We use our smartphones to guide our day continuously, to keep us on schedule, to keep our work productive to do things that we need to do. But then we expect our children, especially children who have self-regulation weaknesses, to just manage it off the top of their head. That's a very unfair thing to do, right? So additional time makes the world of a difference for a child that is trying to organize their mind and body continuously. They may need a a few more minutes to transition. They may need a few more minutes or more time to get ready or to get started. Providing additional time for transitions is critical. Providing additional time for initiating a task is critical. Written instructions or steps for tasks that are difficult, such as writing or reading comprehension, that require the child to generate an organize their language or organize their thoughts. There's tools like story maps that outline the story, writing prompts that get you started on an essay. Reading and writing tests are split into sections and steps. Also working folders like organizational tools that divide what do I need to get done, what's been done already, you know, work that needs to be done and work that needs to be turned in. And that system should evolve with your child incrementally over the years, like a high schooler will need a binder to manage multiple subjects with multiple tasks, but it helps you keep everything in the same place. Like, like my son, um, he always had those tools and I always taught him to use those tools independently. As a child, it started as a backpack where he packed all his tools in there for himself to make sure they were with him all the time, right? A backpack that was for leisure and a backpack that was for school and, you know, a binder that had all the tasks that he needed to do and all the tasks that he needed to turn in and then the things he needed to keep for tests, right? Breaks, um, children on the spectrum and a lot of children with ADHD, they need breaks. They use their brain for social, emotional, and academically. So frequently there's a mental exhaustion, So incorporating movement and sensory and quiet space breaks can restore focus and endurance, especially in these classrooms where there's an enormous amount of pressure to stay on task for a long extended period of time. So if you know a child can't do that, let's not put them in that predicament to do so because that's setting them up for failure. So 
how do you build some of these skills? You build them one at a time, and it's better to be consistent than to try to tackle 10 skills at a time. And how do you prioritize? You prioritize based on your child's needs. When you're looking at your child, what do you think they have the hardest thing to do? For my daughter, it was slowing down. Slow down. She was always trying to tackle way too many things at one time. Always is trying to tackle way too many things at one time. And is very intense. So she's very intense into taking on tasks and doing things with high intensity. So what has been helpful to her? Slowing down a little bit. Breaking down things into parts. Prioritizing and knowing, I don't really need to do that right now. I could focus on this. You can't do 10 things at a time, so let's do one thing at a time. And what is that most important thing you need to get accomplished, right? For my son, it was more of let's get out there. You can do this. Let's let's engage. Let's get involved. What can you get involved in that's comfortable for you, right? How will you get involved at your pace? So my son required a slower pace as well because he needed more time to do things. He had no desire to do 50 things at one time like my daughter or run. He wanted to do things, but he wanted to do them at a different pace. So adjusting his pace was always a main factor in all his educational needs. So what does that say? An advanced curriculum never worked for him right? It never worked for my daughter too for different reasons. She had a difficult time focusing and he had a difficult time with pace. So an advanced curriculum, while it sounds great and it makes parents get very excited, my son is taking is finishing high school in freshman year. Okay, so we didn't do that. We paced ourselves. So pace is really, in fact, if I had to think of one thing that can really help self-regulation, it would be pace. Pace and teaching your child to calm themselves down if they're very overly excited or very over-responsive. So to me, it would be pace and calming. Calming, coping. How do I calm down? How do I slow down? Because I'm a little bit accelerated, right? So if you need these details written out, they're definitely in my blog, and you're going to find this article, Is It Non-Compliance or Inability to Self-Regulate in my Autism Mind blog, although it applies to all children. It's something that is commonly dealt with with children with learning differences that are, that are neurodivergent like autistic children or ADHD or anxiety as well. But it is something that can be helpful to anyone, all these tools and resources. So make sure you check out um, my Autism Mind blog at our website, Social Mind Center. Com. I hope you enjoyed this series. I took a little longer. I felt like there was a lot of definitions. I also provide in my articles resources that you can use and different tools. But in this one, I really outlined a lot of the things that you would need to know. There's other articles also on self-regulation. I look forward to our next episode, which will be on turn-taking, um, the social emotional skill of turn-taking is really a fundamental skill that you will find sprinkled all over your daily life. And it's so critical for children to know it. Thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to our next episode. Thank you for joining us at the Different Skill Notebook. The script is available on the Podbean site and at socialmindcenter.com. We can also be reached through our website.